Amen. Good morning. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. We just thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that you would speak to us and then build us up in the faith and help us to grow and to be conformed to the image of your Holy Son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, We're going to pick up on what I started last week, which was in Philippians chapter 3. So if we have Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, let's just start by reading that. There we go. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So last week we talked about reaching forward. There is something to reach forward for, and it's not a a question mark. It's not a, well, I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder what God's will is for the church. I wonder what his will is for my life. We've got the, the word. We've got the promises. We've got what God has already said to show us what to reach forward for. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, the gates of hell being hindrances. Uh, meaning the church is on an assault. We are taking ground. It doesn't seem like that, and sometimes it seems like we're losing ground, but we don't look to the things that are seen. We look to the things that are unseen. And the fact that we're still here after all these centuries of persecution and trying to eliminate the word and and trying to get rid of the church, the church keeps moving, keeps growing, keeps moving forward, even though it could look sparse. Or sparse at times. Is it sparse or sparse? Help me out here. Anybody? Okay, sparse. Uh, But, you know, we don't go by appearances. And we go by what's happening in the Spirit. And what happens in the Spirit often is according to our faith. If we don't believe for something big and good, then we're not going to see something big and good. It's according to your faith shall it be done. So Paul knew this. Paul had certainly attained something, apprehended something, laid hold of. I like the terminology in this verse, I lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Because uh, he had already received salvation. He had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had had visions. He He had had miracles. And yet he said, I'm still trying to obtain. So when we talk about obtaining something today, we are not talking about your salvation. That's a done, finished deal. Thanks be to God. Jesus paid it all. Your sins are forgiven. He's purchased us. He's redeemed us. He sent his Holy Spirit to all who would receive him. That's not something you have to reach forward and lay hold of in the completed sense. It's already complete. But now he's talking about an experiential thing. He's talking about a practical, experiential outworking of your relationship with God. In other words, Paul had a very close relationship with the Lord But he said, I've not yet attained all there is to attain in it. And so this one thing I do, I'm always reaching forward for more of God, more of this communion with God, fellowship with God, power from God, victory in God. It's all there, but it doesn't just happen upon us. It doesn't just happen to the super saints. Any person, wherever you are in the spiritual life, you can reach forward. Any place you are, 
You may be down. You can go up. It's an upward call. And last week I mentioned Confucius. He said, you know, if you shoot for the stars and hit the moon, it's okay. But a lot of people don't shoot for anything. I got another one for you. The hockey star Wayne Gretzky said, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And a lot of people don't aim for anything in their spiritual life. They just, you know, oh, it's, it's a chore to read my Bible, and oh, I wish I was better, I wish I did better. And, it's, you know, and a lot of people want a better relationship with God. They have a uh, hungry pursuit of God. They want more from the Lord. They want to go to the conferences. They want to hear the good teachings. They want to read the books, and so they'll build them up. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe you need to be fed. But um, it takes more than hunger. It takes more than a hungry pursuit. It takes a holy pursuit. Hunger, hunger is feed me, feed me, feed me. A holy pursuit is you're feeding others. You're blessing others. And you're putting out for others. And uh, contributing to the kingdom will, the kingdom purpose, the, ch- the, the reason for the church. Everybody in the church should be involved in some way. And I'm not just talking about Faith Bible Fellowship. I'm just talking to the body of Christ in general. We're all on the same mission. We're all missionaries. Some people go overseas. Some people go into the inner city. Some people are doing the prayer work behind the scenes more than anything else. Some people are giving. Some people are administrating anything to be involved in God's plan. And that's the, the holy pursuit. But even that is, is not enough because you can get distracted with all the works Your real holy pursuit, what Paul is talking about in this passage, is your relationship. You're knowing Christ. Not just knowing about Jesus, but just knowing him. He's my friend. He's my brother. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And everything else will flow out from this relationship. And that's what our Christian faith is all about. It's not duty, duty, duty. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's not religious law. It's a relationship. But how do you grow in that relationship? And that's what we're talking about today. So Paul said that uh, it's an upward call. We are called upward. It's a heavenly call. And so what call do we follow? The world is calling us downward. The world is throwing all kinds of things, wants us to conform. The scripture says, be not conformed to the world. Why? Because it's calling you downward. And even though the world looks good at times and it's easier at times and things are seducing at times, it's, it's a trap. The world is trying to get you to go downward. And the track that the world is on is a track leading to destruction. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. We have an upward call. And so we heed the upward call. We say, I'm called to something better. I'm called to something greater. I'm called to a relationship with the Lord Almighty, the Most High, and His love is better than anything the world can produce. And see, uh, you know, we just, we get distracted. We get uh, taken out of the way. We don't think that sometimes. We forget that sometimes. How exciting it is that you have a relationship with God. You know, I was, uh, you know, flew a lot in my uh, earlier days. I haven't flown much since COVID. I don't think I've, yeah, I flew once or twice. But I was flying all the time, going from China to Thailand to America and back and forth and things like that. And uh, it gets to be pretty routine. If you've flown a lot, it gets routine. You get on the plane and 
you fall asleep and you're taking off after a while. I remember the first time, if you've ever been on a plane, the first time you're on a plane, it's like, wow, I'm up in the air in this big metal tube. This is really incredible. What? And it's exciting. But, you know, after many, many flights, you know, I'm sleeping. I'm just waking me up when the, when the coffee comes or whatever. Well, one time I was coming back from uh, China, and there was this tour group on the plane, and it was a bunch of uh, people wearing red hats to show that they were the tourists. And they were all marked for a journey somewhere. And before that flight took off, they were just laughing and giggling. This was the first time they've ever been on a plane. And so they were taking pictures of each other on the plane. Can you believe we're here and taking pictures like that? And they're just, they had these little banner pennant things, they're waving them around, and they were just really excited. And I just thought, that's cute. And uh, it was fun because it was just fun to see they were so happy. They were getting out of there or whatever. But when that plane took off, they all just erupted in applause. They were just cheering. And it's like everybody was just sort of smiling. And it was like, yeah, they, they were excited about what's happening here. And it is an amazing thing. You are going up in the sky. I know science can explain it and all that. But, you know, what a remarkable thing that you can be defying gravity and going forward in something like that. Well, you know, this is what I'm talking about with our spiritual life. We can get sleepy on the takeoff because we've been through the routine so much. And it just sort of becomes, yeah, I know the Lord. Yeah, I go to church and, oh, I missed my Bible reading today and, oh, well, I'll pick it up tomorrow and things. And that's okay. You're standing. You're moving forward inch by inch. But I think it's necessary to often rekindle the fire. You know, when we fall in love, there's a romance. And, uh, and then there's romance, romance, and then there's marriage. There's some romance, and then some, it starts to level off after a little bit. And that's not entirely wrong. Your love takes a different shape and form. But it's always healthy to rekindle the romance once in a while. And especially in the spiritual life, grace is not supposed to just get less amazing. It's supposed to be more amazing. So if you find yourself not being excited when you read the Word, or you're not excited when you hear the Word, or you're not excited about your relationship with God, don't feel condemned. And don't say, oh, woe is me, I'm such a miserable Christian. You just say, Lord, I know it's better than this. I need your help. I need to be brought back into this place, because certainly you are exciting. And nobody's going to fall asleep when Jesus returns, or when we're carried into his presence. Nobody's going to be drowsy then. It's not going to be a bore. And the key is to get to that place spiritually here before that happens. And that's why Paul's saying, I press on. Sometimes you have to press on. You press on through the indifference. You press on through the distractions of the world. You press on through the opposition. Because there's a devil out there that's trying to oppose your spiritual growth. And so this is talking about deliberation. Taking charge of your spiritual life, taking initiative in your growth. How do we do that? Well, when we talk about deliberation, Paul said it, and I talked about it last week, this one thing I do. You don't just multitask your spiritual life. You, you say, this is what drives me. This is what I'm going for. I exist for this purpose. I know that there is treasure in a relationship with God that's going to put me over in everything that's dragging me down by this world and by what's happening in my life. And so you take initiative, you proact rather than react. A lot of times we react, something happens. Somebody trips and breaks their foot and we react, right? 
Well, that's normal. That's natural. And I'll tell you what, it's not easy dealing with a crisis, but it's a lot easier to deal with a crisis if we're built up before that, if we're proacting, if we know the scriptures, but we know the, the comfort that is there for us and what we can fall back on when we're hit with something. And we get hit with things, and that's what I call reeling. Sometimes you just get, and you're reeling. But you're not to stay reeling. We're not to stay reeling. We press through that stuff, and we get back on, on board to where the Lord is carrying us, and we've got the victory. So there's deliberation. And uh, I wanted to bring out Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. This is the calling of Matthew. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, who would be called Matthew, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Notice when Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't just levitate you and say, okay, it's all me now. You're, you're done. No, there's three things here. Levi left all, rose up, and followed him. That took a little bit of deliberation, and it doesn't stop. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. So he gave him a feast. How many of you have ever given a feast? Did it just happen? You just hoped it went well, and you threw it together, right? Now, there's a little bit of deliberation there. You've got to think, who's coming? How many people are there going to be? What do I have? What do I need to get? What are the ingredients and things I'm going to have to prepare? And you have to plot and plan it. And that's the deliberation. So there's a deliberation where you say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus died for my sins, rose again, and I receive him, and I'm going to turn and follow him. And you get up from where you once were, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing on with him. But it doesn't stop at that point. There's still a continual upward call. And you have a, now I'm going to present something to him. I'm going to make a feast for him. And the works we do as this church, or even in our individual lives, we, we need to see it like a feast, an offering to Christ. We, everything we do is an offering to him. It's not works that we have to earn something for, but it's out of love and out of joy and excitement. We're taking off again in the airplane. Wow, what can I do? How can I be a part? That is what we're talking about, and we, what we deliberate and do, it's an offering to him. It's not a works that we're trying to earn our spiritual points. It's not works that we're just trying to hope that God's going to bless, but we just do it an act of love, like Levi did, who became Matthew, and then gave, gave him a feast. And in Jesus, of course, you know, in Psalm 23, it says he prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. He prepares a feast. He's prepared all kinds of things for us. I go to prepare a place for you. Consider what Jesus has prepared for us. The joy set before him, he actually deliberately pressed on and went to the cross. He saw something beyond what was in the immediate view. So Paul says, press on. Hosea 6.3 has a press on. Hosea 6.3 says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Let us know. 
there is more to know about Christ than just studying the, the Bible and saying, well, here's what the Bible says. There is, you have to apply the Bible with faith and say, this applies to me. You have to lay hold of it. Laying hold of something means it's making it mine. So, uh, for example, the scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of peace and not of evil. Well, he spoke that in Jeremiah, but laying hold of it says, that's for me too. If he spoke it to them, he could speak it to me, and that's, I'm, I'm laying hold of that. That's mine. And that's how we press on to know the Lord. There's a lot of things that are going to tell us that, well, are you sure God loves you? Yes, it says nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Are you sure you're going to be provided for? Yes, it says he provides all my needs according to his riches and glory. You press on to know the Lord through his word. And knowing the Lord, and, and when you do that, his going out is as sure as the dawn. That means it's, it's coming like the morning. It's a certainty. It's not a, I hope the Lord's going to come through. It's as sure as the dawn. How many of you went to sleep last night and wondered, I wonder if morning is ever going to come tomorrow? It's, it's certain. It's, it's certain. But, you know, there's another translation that says, let us follow on to know the Lord. I always like that. Let us press on to know the Lord. Follow on. It's following the Lord is kind of like following someone on the road. I've had to follow people on the road here as I got to know this, this place a little bit. And uh, when you're following someone in another car, you're paying close attention. There's a lot going on, but you cannot take your eyes off of what's ahead of you. And sometimes it's easier to follow who's ahead of you, right? If it's not crowded traffic, you're on Beautiful Boulevard or on Communion Court. Uh, you've got no problem. You're cruise controlling. But sometimes you'll end up on Chaos Circle, Circumstances Circle, or Distraction Drive, and then you've got to pay more attention. You know, like when you're merging onto a highway, there's a lot more going on. You've you got to pay closer attention. You've got to be more deliberate pressing on following on to know the Lord. And so that's how it is. There's a lot of things that can be loaded onto your plate these days, and there will be a lot of things loaded on your plate. But when it gets like that, that's when you have to be even more deliberate. And when you are more deliberate, it may take more effort. It may not be easy, but it's going to refresh you as the spring rain hits the earth. And there's another translation, Rotherham's uh, literal translation says, that he may come like a downpour upon us. I like that. He's a, he'll come like a downpour. Well, where is he? I can't sense him right now. It's so dry. I don't have any showers. Follow on. Press on. You're on, a, you're on that distraction drive right now. Keep focus, and he will certainly come. It is as certain as the morning, and that's what you stand on. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what's happening right now, what the devil says, what other people are saying. It's as certain as the morning, and he will come like a downpour upon me. You see, pressing on to know the Lord is rewarding. And most people forfeit the reward because they don't have their eyes on the prize. They're not following the upward call of God. So what, it, what about this upward call? Uh, Paul says it's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When you got saved, you were called upward. You got saved from hell to heaven, from death to life, from the world to the divine. You were called up. But it doesn't stop with your salvation he continues to call you up. The upward call is a call to be above and not down in the dumps. Has anyone been down in the dumps lately? 
easy to get down in the dumps, right? It's easy to get a little concerned, anxious, depressed in these days, but you're not called to stay there. When that happens, you remember you have an upward call to be above. Well, how, do, how can I be cheerful or joyful when all this stuff has just happened or is going on? Well, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You ever notice he says, again, I say rejoice. Why would he repeat that? Because probably there are people saying, are you serious? Yes, again, I say rejoice. That's not mine, plagiarism alert. I did not make that up. I got that from another preacher. Um, But in trials, that's the time you need to press on. And you're called upward. You're not called to be down in the dumps. Don't feel condemned if you're down in the dumps. Just recognize it. Just like when you start to feel sick, you recognize this isn't where I need to be. I need to do whatever it takes to get back. And so when it starts hitting you spiritually, what's it going to take to get back? Get into the word, get into the promises, call a friend, ask for prayer, whatever you need to do. And the upward call forgets who you were or what you had before. Um, Levi, Levi, what happened to Levi? He was suddenly called Matthew. He became a new creation. He was Levi from below. Tax collectors were the scum of the earth, supposedly. Pretty sure. And nobody, they despised tax collectors. Um, But he became Matthew. The meaning of Matthew, the name Matthew, is gift of God. So, going from scum of the earth to gift of God. Now, we all, you know, one of the things that really spoke to me before I became a Christian is I got convicted. I, I, I had... Been, I had a Christian friend I was meeting with, and I was confessing to him. For the first time in my life, I feel like a real scumball. That, that was a big step for me. I, I was a rat. I was rotten. But I never felt bad about it. In fact, I kind of felt good about it. Uh, but I was talking to my friend. The Lord was dealing with me, and I said to him, Rob, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm a, a scumball. And he said to me, Rick, we're all scumballs. That's why Jesus died for us. Man, that threw me me for a loop. I thought, you? You're you're so righteous and holy. You're a good boy and all this now. And and and, and yet he was calling himself a scumball. And really, that's the revelation. We, We might not think of ourselves that low, but when you get into the glorious presence of the Lord, when the light is shining, you'll understand... You know, a house can look clean until you pull up the shade, the sun shines in, you see all the blotches on the floor and the dust in the air and stuff. You start to see, well, that's not really that clean. And so uh, Levi went from scum of the earth to gift of God, and I believe that happens for all of us. When we say yes to Jesus, our names not, might not be Matthew, but we become the gift of God because he's given us the gift of Jesus, and then we become the gift to the world because we're on his errand. And his errand is to bestow the gift to others. You can be a gift to somebody else in your environment. Um, But the gift ultimately is a new creation. You are no longer Levi, you are Matthew. And so Paul was no longer Saul, I don't think. You know, that's, that's an interesting trivia thing for you. It doesn't say Saul became Paul. It just says Saul, who was also called Paul. But they never called him Saul again. So whatever it was, technically, he became a new creation. 
He was not the same Saul. And so if anybody could rest on their past momentum, it was Paul because he had the most fantastic conversion. He had the most wonderful uh, experience in the Lord. He was blind and he, he got his sight back. He was filled with the Spirit. He healed the sick, all these things. Uh, he survived being stoning. He survived countless things. And yet, all this glorious testimony he had, he said, I have not yet attained. I want to lay hold for what Jesus has laid hold for me. So, uh, laying hold, like I said before, is making it your own. The Greek is actually, for lay hold of, is to take eagerly, seize, possess. And what did Jesus possess for you? What did he seize for you? Well, we can't describe all of it, but it's quite an inheritance. It's, he took hold of communion with God, eternal life, victory, power in the Holy Spirit. He, he got us forgiven of our sins. He turned us from scumballs into gifts, gifts of God. I won't use scumball again. I don't like the way it sounds. But you think of that, just that, that will press on to know him more, just to think about, Lord, show me just how, how big a move it was to get me into this place where you know the God of all who is up and not below. You know the maker and Lord of the universe, the one who has it all in his hands, the one who is victorious in the end. We've already read the end of the book. We know who's, who's, who's on top. And so we don't want to be below. We want to be up. We are marked for greatness. Oh, brother, you can't say that. You've got to be humble. You've got to say, I'm a worm. I'm just a sinner. Say, no, you are marked for greatness. Why? Because Jesus is your righteousness you are a new creation. You reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And the picture he has of you, scripture-wise, is more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror is not a defeated worm. The problem is we've been taught the church so long that we're defeated worms and we just got to say, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm not suggesting you get proud and I'm not suggesting you forget how great a mercy you've received. And we all need to go back and receive mercy, but our general nature now is not the old uh, Levi. It is the Matthew. It is not Saul. It is Paul. It is not the old you. It's the new you. And so you need to hold your head up high and say, this is who I am. Thanks be to God. And that gives him the glory. If you don't do that, it's like saying, you haven't done anything, Lord. You know, oh, how can you love me? How can you use me? What? I thought I'd, I gave you a new creation. I thought I died. I thought I rose again. I thought I gave you my Holy Spirit. Why are you speaking this way? But we've been taught that, haven't we? And again, this isn't to puff us up, but it's to get us on a, a truth track that we see ourselves as Scripture sees us, as God sees us. And then when we do, we get our faith in a position for God to use us. We get our faith in a position to fellowship with him greater because we're saying yes and amen to his word. Amen? Yes? Yes and amen. Oh, am I going to still be here next week? Are you going to? Okay. So that's our call. We have the upward call of being above. We are deliberate. And I just want to close before, uh, just to make sure this is clear, when I say laying hold of, being deliberate, and pressing on, how do you do that? 
Because again, this isn't about gritting your teeth and trying to do better, right? This isn't about, oh, if I just read my Bible five times a day, I'll, I'll be better and things like that. And I was praying about this. How, how did Paul press on? Did, what did he do? He was already busy as can be. He's not going to add to his busy schedule. We have to remember that our faith walk is a walk of grace. And grace is amazing, right? But it, it doesn't level out. It gets more amazing. So what do you do to grow? And the answer is you don't grit your teeth and try to do better because you can't. The more you put self-effort into it, you're going to find it's not going to be working because you just it's it's because our spiritual growth depends on the holy spirit it is paul said i i planted apollos watered but the holy spirit god gave the the increase the growth if i said that in the right order i'll have to check but um, it's god who gives the growth but we have to plant and so planting is not working it's just putting yourself in position you are a garden you plant seeds and the seeds are the seeds of faith with which is the word the word of god is the seed and fellowship with god is the seed prayer time is the seed you look at it as i'm not working or trying to get better i'm just placing myself in a position where i can go up and like i said before wherever you are in your spiritual life you can go up you might already be up high you may be up down low but you can go up even if it's just a little bit at a time in fact as we grow we don't always notice that we're growing when little kids are little you put a little mark on the wall and then you have to bring them later to see if they match the mark or how you don't see them growing and you don't see yourself growing oftentimes we're going through something we don't understand that even though this is painful and this is hurting we're growing in some area as long as we're in the Word. Um, the trials, they are not what grow us. Some people teach that. The trials are only vehicles in which you can choose to grow if you get into the Word and you look to God and you're heeding the upward call. I'm not going to stay here. Because a lot of people have trials and they don't grow. It's the Word of God. It's planting the seeds. And you don't make the seeds grow. The seeds do the work all themselves. So pressing on, then, is pressing past the indifference, the distractions, the opposition, the comforts, maybe, because you want to place yourself in the sunlight and allow the seeds to work. It's all of grace. And even that could be a way of pressing on, just sitting in his presence and saying, thank you, Lord, it's not of me, making these declarations. Thank you that it's your work in me. And the Holy Spirit is who grows us. We need to pray more for the Holy Spirit, for the church, for our own spiritual lives, because without the Holy Spirit, we're just a, a civic club, right, or a book club. When I, I read the Bible, I, you know, I try to always remember, Holy Spirit, lead me, give me understanding in these, in these words that I'm reading. And laying hold of the truths as they're my own, seizing, possessing them, reading scriptures little bit, by little bit, and allowing the Holy Spirit time to let it speak to me. So, how do you press on without doing works, gritting your teeth, and doing better? You respond by saying, there's an upward call in my life. God comes down like a downpour. That's the Holy Spirit coming upon me. And they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So, the Holy Spirit is waiting for us 
to see if we'll wait for him. And that's what you press through because sometimes it takes a little time to wait. You can, I'm not talking about five-minute Christianity or one-minute devotional. I'm talking about this is something I'm going to be deliberate for. This is a feast I'm going to prepare for the Lord and I'm going to allow him to come in and do the cooking. So that is our call, our upward call. That's what we press on for. When I was telling people I was called to Oak Ridge, Tennessee, to Faith Bible Fellowship, I felt it a privilege and honor. They've called me. I, I, I'm humbled. I'm privileged. I'm honored because this church has called me. But now, how much greater is it that God has called each one of us? It's great that FBF has called me and called you here, but look at the high calling of God himself. This is the privilege. This is the honor that we get to serve the king, the victor, the most high, the Lord who pressed on and pursued us when we weren't even interested, and yet God has love abundantly and above and beyond all we can ask or think, and it's available not just in heaven or when we die. It's available for those who will press on, follow on to know him. It will come. And we don't go by feelings or by experience. We go by faith. But faith will always produce at some point this experience because it's a spiritual it's a spiritual thing that happens. If you're not experiencing the Lord, that's not a time to give up and cry and say, oh, he must be gone. That's a time to just say, hey, it doesn't matter how I feel. But don't throw out feelings because God will strengthen you. God will come and you will feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and you will be uh, reinvigorated to do his will and to love him. Because taste and see that the Lord is good, that's when things happen. The goodness of God leads to repentance. When you taste and see, that's when you become like Paul and say, I got to have more because it's better than anything else. And we got a job to do, and it's not going to happen unless we're fueled and motivated by that love. And it's all about love. Everything we're going to talk about is all fueled by love. And God wants us to know that love. But he doesn't give it to just anybody. He gives it to those who really seek him and press on to know him. And it's available for any, any of us. Amen? Or, oh me. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us a taste. Each one of us here has had some taste. But we know, Lord, that it just overflows and abounds. And we call on you, Lord, in these days, in these last days, that you would compensate for what the world is in all its wickedness and just overflow that love of Jesus in our lives where we are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, where the Holy Spirit is coming upon us in our quiet times, in our interactions at work, school, and in the home, and especially in this church, Lord. We pray for Holy Spirit-filled meetings where your presence is just so strong and we are drawn to worship you and love you and to go forth full and ready to serve. Lord, thank you for that hope we have in Christ. Thank you that it's not of us, it's of you, but we place ourselves in your care and position and ask you to do that for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.